He's worthy. Amen. Glory to God. I don't know if you guys know this, but the title of that song is The Anthem. That says something. Amen. That is the anthem for us as believers, that he is the risen king. He paid that great and glorious price. And we stand here today to give glory and honor to a risen king that delivers, that sets free. The king that is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changes not. That's the king that we sing to. And so every time we sing that song, it's the, it's the church anthem, amen, that we can give him glory. And we are grateful that they can never take God out of that anthem, amen. Glory to God. Give him praise today. He's worthy. Amen. Glory to his name. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the gospel of John chapter 8. And as we do that, our children are dismissed to Kids Dome. John chapter 8. We are going to begin reading in verse 12. Gospel of John chapter 8, glory to God. Mm. John chapter 8, verse 12, when you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet if I, ju if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two, of two men is true. I am, I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. And they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that is truth. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. We thank you because you build us. We thank you because you set us free, Lord God. We thank you today for the privilege that it is to worship a living and glorious God. Oh, we bow our hearts before you today, and Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church, that we would be doers of your word, not just hearers. And we just ask you, Lord God, to use us for your glory and for your honor to be a light that shines in the midst of this world as we live out the truths we find in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. And someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you need an outline, please raise your hand so our ushers can bring you one. Keep your hand up until you receive the outline so they make sure you get one. Glory to God. The outlines, as always, two things, um, and this is our last month, right? We're only a few weeks away, and we begin our Connect Life groups. Anybody excited to be reconnecting? Anybody? Just a couple people. Glory to God. 
to be able to start reconnecting with brothers and sisters. And so it's important if you are not part of a Connect Life group that you see Pastor Chad. Pastor Chad is the one who led us in communion. Um, he'll, he'll be up here again after I'm done preaching. So you should see him if you're not part of a Connect Life group. This is very important for us because we are not called to be alone. Amen, somebody? We are called to be in relationship with other Christians, and so we do everything we can to accommodate your schedule and where you live to make sure that you are able to get into Connect Life groups. We have Connect Life groups that meet on Tuesday nights. We have Connect Life groups that are, I think maybe they're, they're gonna, there's one that meets on Saturday. There's, I think there's some changes that are going to be taking place. There's one that meets on Wednesday, and so we have a couple of different options, and all of them are relatively close, so you should be able to get connected. It's very, very important. I, I, I want you to hear this now. It is very important to us that you get connected because as we grow together in our faith, it's easy for you to just kind of skate by and live how you want to live and no one ever, you know, pray for you, no one ever encourage you, no one ever challenge you, no one ever correct you, amen, somebody. Right? And so as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpeneth another. And so that's what Connect Life Groups are about. It's about sharing the life of Jesus together. And so we get together, we discuss the sermon. That's the reason why you get these outlines weekly. And so we decided during the summertime, rather than us cutting out the outlines like we've done in the past, uh, last year, what we said is, you know, we'll keep on doing that so you can take notes. Because also, the other idea is that you are able to take notes and have conversations. And I've been challenging you all summer, and I hope that some of you have taken advantage of this for you to... A, have conversation during your family devotional times, discuss the scriptures with each other, see how God is challenging you, right? And also, this is a good opportunity for you to talk to somebody about Jesus. We're talking about the real Jesus, right? And so there's a lot of people that need to know the real Jesus, amen? And so a, a, a lot of people have different definitions of who Jesus is. Just go YouTube that. Hello, somebody. Right? And you'll find a bunch of different definitions out there, but we want to talk about the real Jesus. And so looking at these particular portions of Scripture, if you follow along with me in your outline, here we see Jesus in the thick of it again. Jesus is always in some kind of controversial scenario, right? With the religious leaders trying to dis dis disprove and discredit him as being a demon-possessed, half-breed Samaritan who was out of his mind. Yet Jesus, obviously sensing the urgency of his mission, stands his ground to defend himself by declaring who he is. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment, if you could. And, and when, when you read the scriptures, it's important, right? When you read the word of God, that you don't just read it, you know, just kind of like go by, see what the scriptures say. You have to sit down, right? And this is why it's important for you. I, I believe this is very important, that when you're going to sit down and read the Bible, right, you should sit down, you should pray, you should ask the Holy Spirit to prepare your heart, to prepare your mind. That's the reason why when we open up. It's not just a religious thing that I do, but Ultimately, when I pray before I get into the preaching of the Word of God, it's that, you know, I pray I'm really asking God to prepare our hearts, to give us the ability to hear what His Spirit is saying. And we can actually do is we can actually, and I mean, you can do this when you sit down by yourself, and as you're meditating on the Scriptures, right, and you're looking over the Scriptures, you can, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying I believe in time travel. Hello, somebody. But you can kind of go back in time, right? And you can, and you can look, like, like think of, like put yourself in that situation and think about what's going on because I want you to realize something. Jesus is either God or he is really crazy. I'm just saying, like, this guy's been talking about stuff like eat my flesh, drink my blood, right? Like, it's almost sound like cannibalism. You know, he's talking about, you know, things like I'm the bread of life. You know, he's saying, you know, rivers of water are going to flow from your belly. Like, this dude is out of his mind. Or... Right? The other option is that he really is God. And so when you look at this, in, the, in, in, those particular, in this day and in this time, Jesus is there, and these people are doing everything they can to say, yo, this guy's got a demon. 
This guy is crazy. He is out of his mind. He's, he's a half-breed Samaritan, right? And you'll hear, as, as we continue reading in this portion of Scripture, you'll hear how they want to discredit him and try to disprove who he is, right? Because if they can disprove who he is, guess what? All credence and all allegiance to him is gone. So people are not going to follow him. Can I tell you something? It's not so much about, you know, what, what people believe in, the, in, in that sense. It is more about what happens to someone when they believe, right? So our memory verse is, and I try to remember this, and I have to confess to you, I haven't really memorized it completely. I, I try to meditate on, you know, meditate on it, but, you know, it is this. And these are written, right, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in him, right? That's the verse, something like that. Amen, somebody? And so here's the thing. What I realize is that, it, when, when you believe, right, when you, when you and I believe who Jesus is, we believe what the Word of God says about him, our lives are changed. We experience certain things when we believe who Jesus is. But when we're walking in a place of doubt, right, when we're walking in a place of, you know, where, where we're unsure, what happens is our lives are not changed. Because we're not what? Experiencing this life that God wants us to experience through him. So fundamentally, if we don't believe what the Bible says about Jesus and we don't believe that the, um, who Jesus is, then we're not going to live this life that God wants us to live. And so continuing on in here, in the second paragraph here, it is important that we realize the light. Who is Jesus? Who is God? I want you to see that. When we're talking about the light, Jesus is saying, I am the light. And he is also communicating what? He's saying God is the light. And so he is God will either blind us. This is the big idea. Normally I have you write it down, but I wrote it down for you this time. It will either blind us or guide us. Are you hearing me? So I don't have to repeat it. That's why I did that, right? Nine times, right? So you can catch my fast speaking. But it's right there for you. It is important that we realize the light, who is Jesus, who is God, will either blind us or guide us. The religious leaders were blinded by the light because they refused to realize, hear this, a light greater than their own had arrived. You see, what happened to them was they refused to get the idea. See, because you got to remember, for 400 years, guess what? God was silent. And during those 400 years of silence, some things started happening. People started interpreting, some really smart religious people, they started interpreting scripture. They started to see themselves as bringing light to the situation. And so all of these traditions came out of these 400 years, and all of a sudden people were like, well, if I wash my hands this way, this makes me holy. Hello. If I don't do this, if I don't do that. And, and they had this whole list of things that they were added as interpretations of the law. And so all of a sudden, they started to think, man, we got the light. We understand this. And Jesus coming on the scene saying, man, you don't have the light. <clears throat> I am the light. Give you, give, give you a, a short testimony. I don't know what's going on in my house, but um, the last, like, last three, 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 four weeks, I've been having light issues. Hello, somebody. So in my kitchen, right, we have, you know, fluorescent light bulbs, and, and, you know, about three weeks ago, it started flickering. And as a great husband, three weeks later, I changed the light bulbs, glory to God, because it, it wasn't dark, right? It was just flickering. So, you know, just be like sitting there, get a little strobe light going on, be like, all right, we're good, glory to God. And so we, 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 we went, my wife, and she, she went, you know, as, as the amazing wife that she is, you know, she went and she purchased the bulbs and put them on the counter. Like, well, I guess that means it's time to change these bulbs, right? So glory to God, I go and I, and, and I grab the bulbs. And so you know how it is when you get fluorescent bulbs, right? They're, you got you to make sure you get the same type, right? And so we had the cool white ones, and then she got some warm, you know, ones. And so the warm ones were kind of dim, right, a little bit dim. And I was like, and then she said something. She's like, oh, I didn't realize you had some in the garage. And I was like, man, I do have some in the garage. So I went to the garage, and guess what I had? I had four cool white bulbs. So you know how bright my house is right now? It's like, psh, 
Like, I was like, glory to God, let there be light, right? So we have this, you know, we, we, we did that, you know, and we're sitting there. And my wife's like, my wife is literally, my wife, my daughter, she can attest to this. We're like blinded because this light is so bright. Like, we're so used to dim lights, and we were getting used to the flickering lights, glory to God, right? So, you know, I was trying to, but anyway, the point is, we didn't have the fullness of the light that could have been there, you know. And then I went into my closet, and my closet light, it's funny, too. Yeah, this is crazy, how you get used to stuff. And I'm, 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 I want you to see this. I go to my closet, and, and, and in my closet, you got to, like, flicker with the light. I'm an amazing husband. I want to let y'all know right now. So I'm thinking, right, there's something wrong with, like, the ballast or something. I'm like, oh, that's just a messed up ballast. I can't fix that. I got to get someone to come do that. So anyway, I'm sitting here. We're flicking with the lights, and then one day we go, and guess what? You're sitting there, and the light didn't turn on. Like, you'd flicker with it, and it would turn on. So I was like, okay, I'm going to change the light bulb. See what's up. Guess what? It wasn't the ballast. It was a light bulb. <laughs> I put that light bulb in there, guess what? Click, boom, it comes on. I'm like, glory to God, I'm an amazing husband. Then I walk to my pantry, and I go turn on the pantry. Right after I changed that one, it was like I changed the kitchen, and then I go to the next one. It's like the lights got an got a email and said, hey, he's changing bulbs. Let's all go out right now. So I go into my pantry, and I, I flip on the light. And I'm like, what on earth? There's no light in there. So that one I will be changing because you know what? There's food in there. I need to be able to see what's going on in there. <laughs> anyway. Ultimately, the issue is this, right? Uh, the, the title of the message is Walking in the Light. And, and what happens to us as Christians and what happened to these people is they got used to a certain level of light. But when God was offering them the full light, when God was offering them the flood lamp, when God was offering to open their eyes, they're like, no, nah, we're good the way we are. We're okay like we are. And for us as Christians, we need to be not like that, but we need to realize that God wants to invade our lives with the fullness of his light. And sometimes, can I tell you something? It is uncomfortable. Are you hearing me? See, I told you, when we turn on those lights in the kitchen, I mean, straight up, whenever y'all come over, it is bright up in there. Like, it's blindingly bright, you know, because a thing, you know, we had a cover that broke, so that makes it even more. Like, cover's supposed to, like, dim things. No, there ain't no dimmer in there, glory to God. It's just bright. And so, for us, it, it, it's what God wants to do is he wants to come into our lives, and he wants us to walk into the light, and you walk in the light, and we will either be blinded, by the light. Are you hearing me? Or we will be guided by the light. And so God wants to guide us. And so as we study this particular portion of scripture, let us recognize the clear declarations. This is the last paragraph there of Jesus about himself, the clear warnings and call to repentance and God's gracious offer of freedom found in Jesus alone. All right. So those are the three things that we're going to talk about here. And so the first one I ask you to repeat after me is this, say, we must be assured of Jesus identity. And so we already read those verses 12 through 20, and we're going to go all the way to the end of this chapter today. And just as a, as, as a heads up, as we go through some of these chapters now, we're going to take off big chunks and kind of get through this. So we will get through the gospel of John before the end of the year. But I want you to, I want you to not get lost in the big chunks that we go through. I really want you to take in what it is that God was, is trying to speak to our hearts. So the first thing is, and, this, and, and we're talking about the real Jesus, right? So in every one of these sermons, I hope that I have this same point or something like it, where we have to be assured of the identity of who Jesus is. Jesus is on the scene here, and he declares his second I am statement. So if you're taking notes, that's important to note there, because this is the second I am statement that Jesus comes out and says. And so he goes and he's communicating, I am, right? He's, so, he's saying, I am something. He says, I am the light, right? And what he's saying is, when he's saying that I am the light of the world, he is clearly, hear me when I say this, he is clearly making himself equal to God. And look at this, he is comparing himself to the sun, S-U-N. Are you hearing me? 
When he's saying, I am the light, he is, he is, when, in one sense, he is comparing himself to the sun. And some scholars think, because if you remember the story before, when they brought this woman who was caught in, in adultery the, the, in, in the beginning part of this chapter, some scholars think that the sun may have been rising around that time. And so right after Jesus deals with the sin issue of this woman and rebukes those religious leaders at that time, then all of a sudden as the sun is rising, he's saying, I am the light of the world. And so the same way the sun is rising, right, then he's saying what? He's saying comparable to the sun. What is the sun? We know this now. The sun is the center of the universe, right? Everything revolves around the sun. And so our source comes from the sun. And so Jesus was saying, I am the, I am the light of the world. But the second comparison that is in here is because, remember, they're at the Feast of Tabernacles. And you remember when Jesus talks about being the manna, and then he talked about being what? He talked about the water, the rivers of water that are going to flow out of your belly, right? He spoke about that. All of these were symbolisms within this Feast of Tabernacles. And so in the Feast of Tabernacles, there was also something else that was there, and there was these things, that there, there were these big candles that they used to light at night. And I don't know if you remember when I started talking about the Feast of Tabernacles when it was introduced, but the reason why they lit those candles at night and what would happen during this time is, remember, it's a feast time, and so they're celebrating. And so they would literally go in there singing psalms. They're singing unto God. They're dancing as these candles are lit, and they're being reminded of what? They're being reminded of the pillar of fire that was with the children of Israel when? When they were coming out of Egypt. And the Bible says that he, by, he was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that is how God guided them through the wilderness. And so during this time, Jesus comes in there. And it's amazing because if you look at the Gospel of John, John has literally taken three wilderness examples and he's attributed them to Jesus. The manna in the wilderness, Jesus is what? He is the bread of life. That's what Jesus is. He's the bread of life. And so John, he's not doing this by mistake. He's wanting us to know who Jesus is. And Jesus wants to make it clear. He's saying that he is the bread of life. And so that's telling us what? It's letting us know that just like the manna, the, the manna that these people used to worship and, 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 and hold as something sacred, Jesus is saying, listen, I'm the fulfillment of that manna. I'm the bread of life that you've been waiting on. And the same way that water from the rock, you remember that symbolism in the wilderness. And Jesus says, listen, no longer are you going to get water from a rock, but you're going to get what? You're going to get water that's going to flow from within, within you. Water that's going to flow from within your heart. Water that's going to flow from within who you are. That's what he's saying here. He's communicating this, right? And he's letting us, he's letting us know who he is. And then here he communicates, I am the light of the world. Pillar of fire that, get, that, that, that was leading you in the wilderness. Now you know what? I don't want you to look for the pillar of fire. Look for me because I'm the light that's going to lead you. I'm the light that's going to guide you through the wilderness of your life. I'm the light that's going to guide you to every place that I've called you into. So Jesus makes it clear to the Pharisees that he is not only witnessing about himself. Now remember, they started to question him, right? They're like, man, you bear witness of yourself. Look at verse 13. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. And, he said, and they say to him, your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. My witness is true, for I know where I come from and where I am going. You do not know where I come from and where I am going. And so Jesus' witness is true because he's what? He's divine. You judge according to the flesh. So his witness is true because they judge according to the flesh. But he also goes on to say in verse 18, he says, I am one, I am one, I am one who bears witness of myself, and my father who sent me bears witness of me as well. So he makes it clear that he is witnessing. 
He's communicating, that he is showing them that, listen, I'm bearing witness of who I am. He's showing them my witness matters because what? Because Jesus said it clearly. He says, he quoted the Old Testament for them. He said, look, he said, it is said that if on, on, on the voice of two witnesses, right, every word can be established. And so I had this. So how did we talk about earlier? Early on, we talked about how Jesus said the Father was witnessing for him. And how did he do that? Well, he did this the way the Father witnessed for him. First of all, the Father testified of Jesus through the works that Jesus did. So all the works, every miracle that Jesus has done up until this point, you know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, He's saying these works have been an attesting of who? From the Father to who I am. These works have been a testament of the Father of who, who I am. So the Father's been testifying to you through the works that I have been doing. That's what he's communicating first and foremost. The second thing that he's, that, that he's communicating to us is he's letting them know this. Remember he said this? He said, you know who I am because of the scriptures that testify of me. You know who I am because of the scriptures that testify me. Now, remember, these are people that are experts in the law. I think you guys know this, you know, and if you don't, some of you will find this out. But when you were a young Jewish boy and you were, and you were growing up from the earliest time, I mean, none of y'all necessarily Jewish boys or girls, but you'll know this because I've, I've said this before and you may have read this somewhere, heard this somewhere. But if you were a young Jewish boy, from the time that you were as, as soon as you could read, as soon as you could understand, they started doing something for you as a Jewish boy. They started teaching you this thing called the Torah. The first five books of the Bible, that's what they were doing. They were teaching the Torah, and they weren't just teaching it to you. Today we had a great testimony. For those of you that weren't here, I'll just go, I brag for Pastor Chad and uh, um, 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 Tatiana as well. Their, their son, Isaiah, he got accepted to go to this Bible bee, right? Amen, glory to God. And so this young man, he's been studying Scripture. He's been memorizing Scripture. So we're all taking a road trip to Texas in November. Amen. All right, so he's going to go over there. He's going he's to participate. He's got to memorize 100 verses perfectly in order to be part of this and have chances at winning this. Now, that's a beautiful thing. And, and look, for, for me, I mean, if they gave me 100 verses from here to November, I don't know, man. It would be tough. Glory to God. But nonetheless, thank God for his youth and the grace of God, right? And he's going to get it done, right? And his parents are going to help him with that. But ultimately, what happened is, now, I don't, I'm not sure how many verses are in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But that's five books. And the Jewish boys had to memorize all five of those books by the time they were going to become men. And for them, they became men at what time? It's something called a bar mitzvah, right? That's from that 12, right, when they took 12 to 13. And so they had to memorize this. And they got tested how? Well, the, 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 um, the, 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 the rabbi would say a verse, and they would have to say the, pro, the, the preceding verse and the proceeding verse, so they would know what? He knew what he was, he, he had this stuff memorized. Why do I share that? These people knew their Bible. So when Jesus says, the Father testifies of me, the works that I did that we learned early on in John, and the scriptures testify me. These are people who were saying, we know this stuff. We got this thing on lock. Listen, we are telling everyone, nope, you're doing it wrong. Nope, you're doing it. And I mean, they were making sure that everybody was living by every single thing. And Jesus is saying, look, these things testify of me. And it's my father who's been testifying of me, and you guys are missing me because you don't know where I am. See, there was no question. Now get this. There was no question in the mind of the Jewish leaders of what Jesus was implying with all of his statements. See, you and I, we can read this and we can miss it, right? Be like, well, I, I, yeah, Jesus was saying this. But when he was communicating, these Jewish leaders, they were trying to play dumb. They weren't dumb. They were trying to say, yo, this guy's got a demon. They knew he didn't have a demon. 
All right. They were saying, oh, this guy's this. No, it was, they, they were being convicted in their hearts because of what? Because they knew what these scriptures were communicating and what they were saying. And when Jesus was implying and when he was saying, I am the light, I'm the manna, he's you know, talking about all of these things, there was no doubt in their minds. And can I tell you something, church? It is so very important for us that there is no doubt in our minds of who Jesus is. It's all good that they were saying what they were saying. It's all good that your mom believes. It's all good that your dad believes. It's all good that your cousin believes. It's all good that your bishop believes. It's all good that your pastors believe. It's all good that your best friend believes. But the question is this, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe what the scriptures have said about Jesus? Are you arguing with those scriptures? Because if you are, it's going to hinder you from experiencing the life that Jesus wants you to experience. The second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we need to understand why people die in their sins. We need to understand why people die in their sins. Let's read from verse 21 to verse 30. Then Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your... Did you hear that? That is so scary. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now, you'll notice when I was reading there, if you're reading the, the New King James Version, there's a, there's a he that's italicized. I didn't read that because in the original text, that he is not there. And it's so important for us as we read this that we see exactly what Jesus was saying. Because we're talking about the I am statements, right, of Jesus. And when he says this, he says, for if you do not believe that I am. See, what he was doing was he was connecting himself directly and clearly, emphatically with who? The great I am. He said, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That doesn't change for us today. That is the same reality today. Going on in verse 25, he says, then they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. Pause for a moment. If anyone ever tells you Jesus wasn't clear, Jesus was crystal clear with the Jewish leaders. He made it crystal clear who he was communicating that he was. And when he said this to them, they knew what he was saying. He goes on to say, he says, I have many things, verse 28. He said, I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand what he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. And he spoke these, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. See, we learned earlier in John that men love darkness because it conceals their sin. 
You know, you, 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 you ever notice, I mean, I don't know about, you know, all y'all. I haven't lived in 111 Peregrine Court in a gated community all my life. Some of you can maybe attest to this. You might have lived in a, in, a, in a little bit of a ghetto kind of situation. And um, when you turn on the lights, you notice there was some little bugs on the floor. Wonder where they came from, right? Why weren't they out when the lights were on? Hello, somebody. They like the dark. They can do what they want to do in the dark, but the lights come on, they got to scatter. And can I tell you something? Us as human beings, I'm not comparing you to roaches. Hello. <laughs> but us as human beings, we love the darkness because you know what? No one can see what we're doing. And can I tell you, that, can, can I tell you some of the, the dark places for us? You know, as we're growing up, you know, and, 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 you know, you start, you know, believing things like this. What happens in this house stays in this house. And you know what that did? Let me tell you what that did. What that did was that created a whole bunch of hypocrisy. And you had a whole lot of people who were being abused in their homes, Christian people, church-going people, people who put on their Sunday best, people who would say, we're underdressed for church. Hello, somebody. They would never come to church dressed like this. People who made sure they got their praise on, you know, they, 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 they were serious when it was in the church. But at home, different story. Because it's easy when what happens in this house stays in this house. That stays in the dark. You see, we, we buy into those mindsets, and those mindsets are not godly. And it's not to say that you need to, listen, let me say this. You don't need to go and put your business out there for everyone to know. Can I tell you that? I'm just saying. But what I do need to, but what I do need to make clear is that we should have some relationships in our lives that we are an open book with. Are you hearing me? There should be some people in our lives that are able to see what's going on in this house. Hello. And that we're willing to open up and let, and let what? Let counsel come into our lives. And not so that way people can judge us and, you know, talk about us. It's so that way we can be delivered from those things that have us in bondage. You see, in darkness, you know, we try to do things on our own. You know, we, we do this too as well. You know, nowadays everything has a password. Hello, somebody. And I wonder sometimes how many spouses know the passwords of their spouses on every account. As a matter of fact, I wonder sometimes how many spouses know of all the accounts we have. Got secret identities over here, right? Back in the day, it was like a family in one state, another state here. Man, you could just have all kind of families on the same computer because your password protected. Seriously, Right? But do we have openness, right? Or, or, or are we walking in the dark? We're hiding stuff like, you know, this is my life. No, there's no, 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 no. In marriage, it's not my life. It's our life. That's it. That's what you signed up for. Amen. Glory to God. It's not, it's not your life and you do your stuff and you got your account. and you, No, time out, time out. And the two shall become one. But Bishop, it said one flesh. It didn't say one bank account. Hey, one flesh. That means one in the most one sense. Hello, somebody. That means one in every area. Like you become one. That means all of your problems are my problems. All of your debt is my debt. We signed up to do that. That's just how it is. You see, when we talk about the darkness, men love darkness. And see, the Pharisees were no different they hid behind their religious knowledge. They hid behind everything that they knew. Because what? Because Jesus makes the boldest, clearest, and scariest statement here about the religious elite of his day being in danger of dying in their sins. 
And see, what I want you to get is this, is that men die in their sin, not because God is bad, but it's because they refuse to believe what God says about himself. Refuse to believe what God says about himself. God is the only way to deliverance. He is the only way to salvation. He is the only way to healing. And you know what? They sat there and they they didn't want to hear what Jesus had to say about himself. Jesus was the awaited, promised, prophesied Messiah. He was God in the flesh. And what you see here is God offering many opportunities for these people and us today to repent and trust Jesus for salvation. And we see it here. And somehow, I love this because it closes with this verse. Look at verse 30. It says, and he spoke these words as he spoke these words, many believed in him. And so it seems like this is all bad news, right? Jesus is like, look, I'm going to a place y'all can't come. Y'all are going to die in your sins. Sounds terrible, right? These guys are like, where is he going? And they're like, well, you, you're not coming. You, I've been saying, I've been communicating who I am. You don't want to hear it? Seems like a whole negative situation, right? But the beauty of this is that in the midst of all of that, see, that's the reason why, church, it is so important for you and I when we're talking to people that are rejecting Jesus that we're not afraid to confront sin. Because in the midst of that, while they were confronting sin, guess what? What happened was deliverance came to someone's life. At minimum, someone began to believe. But see, Jesus, and this is why I say sometimes Jesus is crazy, right? Because, and I, and, and I mean that with all due respect, he, he's worthy of glory and honor. I'm just saying, some of the stuff that he does there, I'm like, Jesus, I don't understand that. Because I know that I probably wouldn't do that. Look at the next, look, look at the next part, verses here. Verse 31. It, it says, then Jesus says to those who believed in him. Right? You hear that? So we're excited. Yes, we have believers in the midst of this crazy situation. And then Jesus is like, okay, I got to talk to you. Believe in me? Check this out. If, you, if, that if word is so huge, right? Because it's like Jesus is like, well, I don't know if you're going to do this. But if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Okay, good, Jesus. So we're, that sounds good, right? And then look at the next one. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, hold up, hold up, time out, time out, bro. We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Now, hold on a second. You notice what Jesus does here? Instead of him just jumping on the bandwagon like, yes, I got believers, let's, let's rejoice. He's like, let's see if they're real. Let's see if they really believe. Let's see if they really want to follow me. Let's see if they really believe I am the light and they are going to follow me, right? And so he talks about this, right? So he's, he's communicating to them, and I want you to say this third thing with me. We can experience the freedom Jesus promised. We can experience the freedom Jesus promised. I want you to know this, that when Jesus is making these declarations and he's making these statements, he's not, he's not selling wolf tickets, right? He's selling the real thing. He's saying, look, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and what? And you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And all of a sudden, he puts these people on the defensive because, see, some of you, when, you, when we read that, right? I think Manuel Elias was the voice back there. We read, and, and you shall be free. Amen, right? Because what? We all know we need freedom. Amen, somebody? Right? We get that. Some people do. But you see, you have some religious elites that they're, they're like, I don't know if I need all that freedom. And that's what happened to these people. They believed what Jesus was saying because they got the scriptures. But as soon as Jesus began to dig a little bit deeper into their lives, all of a sudden they had issue with it. Verse 34 says, Jesus answered. It's crazy to even say that we've never been in bondage to everyone, anyone. Do you understand right now, just so you know a little bit of history here, they were in bondage, were they not? 
Are you hearing me? They weren't a free nation just doing their own thing, right? The Roman Empire was, was, was on them. They let them do stuff, but they weren't free. Hello? So they were in bondage right there. And so they, they, they couldn't get, you know, what Jesus was saying, but, you know, they tried to defend themselves. And Jesus says in verse 34, he said, most assuredly, uh, he answered them, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And I don't want you to think that this is just someone who commits a sin. This is, this is literally meaning someone who continues in sin. He said, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, he said, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Didn't he just say in the beginning here, he said, if you abide in my word. Okay, so you believe me. Right? But you don't want to abide in this word because my word has no place in you. Because what you want is you want the free access to the light. You want the free access to, you don't want to die in your sin for sure. You don't, you don't want to do that. But do you want to abide in my word? See, it's easy for me to get up here and say this. You know what? We are all sinners, right? We're born into sin. And because of our sin, we are separated from God. And because of that separation from God, there is something that will happen to every single person that is separated from God. They will spend an eternity in hell. Listen, that should strike a nerve inside of our hearts. But here's the thing. It's easy for me to communicate that and say, look, all you have to do, this is all you got to do. All you got to do is just say you believe and you're going to heaven and you're all good. It's easy for me to say that, right? Well, Bishop, didn't the Bible say just call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved? Oh, yes, it did. Absolutely. The Bible talks about confessing, repenting, right? It talks about that stuff. It's easy for me to say that. And you know what? All I got to do, because Jesus died for me, right? Jesus, amen, somebody, right? Jesus died in our place because he doesn't want us to spend an eternity in hell separated from him because he wants us to have a relationship with him. Jesus died, and so now he offers us new life. I say this every week, don't I? That is the gospel presentation. And if we will put our faith in Jesus and we will trust him, then what? We are guaranteed access to him. And eternity with him. That is truth. But here's what I want you to understand. It doesn't end with a simple, a simple confession like I believe and I'm good. Are you hearing me? Nowhere does the Bible give us that ticket to easy believism. All I have to do is say a prayer. Listen, can I tell you something? I need you to get this because I know some people ask this question. Why don't I do an altar call every week? And listen, it's not because I'm opposed to altar calls. What I want you to know is that it's not about coming to an altar saying a prayer. It is about you being altered while you are here and your life being changed and now you walking with God. It is now you living a life that brings glory and honor to God because can I tell you something Jesus himself said it is he who endures to the end that shall be saved are you hearing me and see, what Jesus was doing is he was saying, listen, to be a disciple, it is more than just confessing, yes, I believe what you said, Jesus. Yes, I believe what you're communicating. And I'm not telling you right now that you have to earn your salvation, but what I am going to make clear is that your salvation should be what? It should be seen in the fruit of your life, and that fruit is in obedience to God. And if we're not living the life that Jesus is talking about, you know what we're never going to do? If we never abide in his word, we will never experience freedom. Because, see, some people think they need to just abide in some kind of confession. You've had the conversations with those people, right? They went to, when they were kids, they went to a backyard Bible school somewhere, and you talk to them about Jesus, and they're like, well, you know, I said a prayer one day. Okay. And? 
what happened after the prayer? Because today, you don't even read a Bible. You don't congregate. You don't look like a Christian. What does a Christian look like? Well, I'm not talking about just being a good person, because you, be, you can be a good person and not be a Christian. Are you hearing me? And I don't mean good in your inherent good, right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you can do good things, right? By our standards, they're good. Like you can give to charities. You can help hurting people. You can do all kind of good. You can volunteer, you know, and all, you, you can do all kind of good stuff. So by that measure, you'd be good, right? But hold on a second. A Christian is someone who loves God with all their heart, with all their soul. Someone who lives their life for the glory of someone else, not themselves. Someone who lives their life because they want to please God and they want to honor the one who died for them. You see, so when Jesus is communicating, he's saying, look, you, 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 if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed. Why? Because there is no way on earth that you can abide, remain in, stay in, be in all the time God's word and not be being changed. Because what, it, what, what happens is as we get into God's word, look, this is the reason why we put such an emphasis on the word of God. This is the reason why I went from, and, and listen, I have no issue with people that preach topically. I like to preach topically as the Holy Spirit gives me topics. But that's the reason why I decided that I want to be a person who preaches the Bible expositionally. What does that mean? That means that we go verse by verse through the scriptures. Why? Because it is the light of the scripture, not my cute anecdotes that change your life. Hello. It is the truth of God's word. That's why the Bible says line by line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, right? It is, it is us going through the word of God that gets the word of God through us and does what? It changes our hearts. It, because God's, God's light is revealed and he begins to show himself. And the more you get in it, it's like when my house the other day, you know, some of y'all, <laughs> glory to God, some of y'all are living in that little zone where it just flickers. You got flickers of light, like Sunday's a flicker for you, Hello. I know I'm offending people. I don't mean to offend you. Listen, if Sunday's your flicker, it's your flicker. At least you're getting some kind of flicker. Hello. Right? You got a little strobe light going on. You know, you might turn on Christian radio here and there. You know, you might turn on something that's edifying. You, you know, you have some little flickers. But God wants you to live in the fullness, right, in the brilliance of his life. And the more that you are in his word, the more that you are in the scriptures, the more you are seeking his face and praying and going after him. You know what he does? His light begins to shine. You begin to see how filthy you are. You're not like these guys who are like, hold on a second, freedom? I don't need freedom. You start to recognize, man, I need freedom every day. I need the sun to set me free every day, not just once in my life, not just one day when I said a prayer. I need the sun to continuously walk with me and set me free continually of thoughts, of desires, things that, look, man, I mean, just things that come up in my life, things that, that arise that, I mean, I didn't even know that that was there. Hello, somebody, guess what? I need the sun. And the sun can set me free. Right? The sun can deliver me. The sun can do it. But if I'm not in the word, guess what? I'm not being changed by it. So Jesus goes on. He communicates to them that. In verse 30, 39, it says here, they, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if, there's that if word again, if you were Abraham's children, you would, be, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. Which I heard from God, Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, listen to this. We are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Can you hear that in their voice? Look, man, we know a little bit about your background. 
your mama and Joseph, something happened there. They weren't legally married, but yet she was pregnant with you. We are not. Are you hearing them? We are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus says to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. I'm telling you, Jesus is crazy. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. He who speaks a lie, he, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell, you, and if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. I think Jesus had no hair on his tongue. What do you think? But I thought we're supposed to be all nice and not offend people. Speak the truth in love. You think Jesus was speaking the truth in love? Of course he was. Just because it hurts doesn't mean you didn't love. Like when you spank your child in love, you know, parents used to tell us this all the time. I don't remember my mom telling me this, but I've heard other people say this. I really don't. I, I think back and I'm like, man, my mom never said this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I don't remember her telling me that. I know she loved me, though, glory to God, but the fact of the matter is I know my mom. And even though I don't recall her telling me that, I know that spanking me had to hurt, glory to God, because I'm so amazing. I was her firstborn, you know. I was, you know, I was the one. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm not joking. I am joking. But seriously, all, all jokes aside, <laughs> the, tru the truth is, you know, there is this love that God has. And he loves these people. But he's not willing to compromise the truth to tickle their ears or make them feel good about themselves. We have to love people sometimes enough to tell them the truth that hurts even if it offends them. Even if we could lose our life because literally, the, Jesus, you're going to see here, he's about to lose his life for this. So let's keep reading here. Then Jesus, then the Jews answered Jesus and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I told you, he's either God or he's crazy. One of the two. So now, what, what, why are they saying this? Do they want to discredit him? Because if they can get Jesus, right, to somehow just be like, Yep, I'm a Samaritan and I have a demon, then guess what? They can kill him and it's all good. But Jesus doesn't say, yes, I'm a Samaritan, I have a demon. He says this, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he shall never see death. And so Jesus promises them freedom. Now he's promising them eternal life. This guy is out of his mind. Then, then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my words, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who is dead and the prophets who are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. 
Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. Oh my goodness. But I do not know him, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. We have this amazing, bold Savior that makes it emphatically clear the reason why I can offer you freedom, the reason why I can offer you eternal life, the reason why I can do all of these things is because before Abraham was, I am. Because I am the I am that I am. That I am the one who created the heavens and the earth and there was nothing that was created but by me. I am the one who was there. I was there when all of these things happened. I am the I am. And you will die in your sins because you don't want to believe that. Because you want to believe that there is some other way for you to come to the Father. And we'll finish this out. And it says here, then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. See, here's the thing. Only disciples, I want you to get this, have the assurance of experiencing the freedom Jesus promised. It is as we abide in his word that we come to know the truth and are made free. I said this. This was the third point. We can experience the freedom that Jesus promised, but that freedom is not for just people who say, I believe. It is for those who commit to being his disciples. It is for those who commit to walking with him in truth. As we abide in his word, the truth is the light that reveals to us our sinful nature that needs saving. Hear me. If we cannot recognize our need, we will never experience our need being met. Are you hearing me? If we don't see our need, we will never see our need met. See, that's what happened with the Pharisees here and those who said they believe. We were, they, they, they were there and they were wasting this opportunity trying to do what? To prove that they didn't need what God was offering them. I don't need freedom. I'm not, I'm not bound. Jesus tries to show them, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are bound. You do need freedom. He tries to show them, I'm offering you eternal life. They think that they have it all. See, it is only because, and get this, it is only because of who Jesus is and the grace he offers that we can experience the freedom he promises. It's only because of that. It's only because of who he is. It is because he is the I am that we can have freedom in him. It is because he is the I am that we can trust our lives eternally to him. It is because of who he is that he can make these bold claims. It is only because of who he is. And so the title of the message is Walking in the Light. And I said that the big idea is that the light will either blind us or guide us. And so here's my question for everyone in the room. Are you being guided by the light or are you being blinded by the light? Is the light too bright for you? Is the, and what, what, what I mean by this is if you haven't seen it already, these guys were there. And so what they, what they were experiencing was they were experiencing this overwhelming pride, self-righteousness. They're like, man, you know what? What Jesus is saying, I don't need that. What Jesus is communicating, I don't need that. I, I, don't, I don't need to hear any of that. I don't need, you know, you to communicate that to me. He, that, that, that was what they were saying. They, they were being blinded by the light. You feel like, man, I'm good just like I am. I'm okay where I'm at, you know. I come to church, I do whatever it is that you do, whatever your religious routine is. 
but you feel like, man, I don't need to go any further. That is a person who is being blinded by the light instead of being guided by it. Because you know what? When we're being guided by the light, you know what we do? We are humbled. We are broken before our God. We're submitted to his will because what? Because he is changing our lives by the revelation of who he is continuously because he loves us. And I close with this thought here. Darkness speaks of death, ignorance, and sin. So here's the deal. If we are walking in darkness, we are walking in death, we are walking in ignorance, and we are walking in sin. And there's no hope because we're in the dark. But the beauty of it is that the light speaks of life, knowledge, and holiness. And so if we walk in the light, God gives us this life that he can offer us. God gives us the knowledge of who he is, and God empowers us to live holy lives. But here's the thing. The light reproves sin. When the light comes in, we have to confront our sin. We have to make a decision. Am I going to remain as I am, or am I going to respond to the light of God's revelation with repentance and submission to his will? See, a lost person is, lives in darkness and will spend eternity in darkness if he rejects Christ. The Jews, instead of submitting to Jesus, argued with him in the temple. Are you hearing me? Instead of submitting to Jesus, they argued with him. You know what I've said before? I've said this many times, and I repeat it, and I hope that you guys get this. I hope that you guys really grasp this reality. Everyone on the planet wants to be justified. Are you hearing me? Everybody on the planet wants to be justified. No matter what we do, we want to be justified. But you know what? Justification is found in one of two ways. It is either found in me reasoning, giving reasons why I did what I did. It's kind of like when you're in an argument with your spouse. I know nobody does that in here, but I'll talk about myself, right? When my wife and I are in an argument and, and we're in disagreement, and I begin to try to reason why I'm right knowing I'm wrong, because I don't know about anybody else in here, but there have been times that I've just been like, I, I'm just, I figured out I was wrong like in the middle of the argument. And I was just like, I'm going to just keep this going. <laughs> just let you know, I, listen, I'm confessing. It don't matter to me because I don't care what you think about me. I mean, straight up. I mean, I've been washed in the blood. I'm just saying, right? But, but here's the thing. I've been like mid-flow, and I'm like, yo, I'm wrong. <laughs> All right? We're going to finish this out, glory to God. And I try, to, I, try, I try to duck and jive, and I try to fig, figure out a way to justify myself in this conversation, right? And I will, I, will, I will eventually come and confess and be like, babe, I was wrong. I mean, we went through all that, man, and you were wrong. Yes, I'm sorry, right? But here's the thing. We either find our justification through our reasoning, arguing, right? Like, like trying to say, I don't need this, I don't, you know, whatever it is. Or the other one, it's called repentance. They both start with R, Hello? Reason? Repent. Can I tell you something? It'd be much easier for me if I would have just mid-flow been like, babe, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Because guess what? We would have made up a lot quicker. Wouldn't have exerted so much energy. I wouldn't have had to repent before God because I repented already. Because then I got to repent before the Lord. Like, why am I such an idiot? God, forgive me. And then I got to come. But if I was just like, babe, I realize as you were communicating your great wisdom. And y'all listen, she's not here today, so make sure y'all know. Y'all tell her, yo, your husband's saying how wise you are. Glory to God. All right? When you were communicating to me and letting me know these things, like, I, I just want to repent. And so for us, it's the same thing as we walk with Jesus. We can either reason our way, we can blame everyone else on the planet for the reason why we are, or we can do what? We can repent of our sinful nature. We can repent of our sinful desires. And we can accept the most beautiful gift that God offers us, I believe, in the, in, in the life of his son, and that is the justification of our lives to reconcile back to him. We serve a good God. Amen? Stand to your feet and let's pray together. 
I pray that you're walking in the light. If you're not walking in the light, today's an opportunity for you to walk in that light. Today's an opportunity for you to recognize you're walking in the darkness. Whatever it is, I don't know where, I don't know where it is that you're struggling. I don't know where it is that you're battling. But today is a day that God is calling us to walk in the light. And Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows after me is not going to walk in darkness. If you're not walking in the light, if the light is blinding you instead of guiding you, ask you to be honest with God. Repent of your sin today. Recognize that you need his light to direct and guide you in all areas of your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We come to you today, God. I thank you for each person that is here, Lord, that has heard your word go forward. Father, I thank you for the ability that we have to laugh. I thank you for the ability that we have to comprehend. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit that even in the midst of all of that, you're convicting our hearts. You're showing us where we're being blinded. And I just pray that from this moment forward, my God, that we would no longer reason our way out of the light that you're showing us in our lives, but that we would begin to repent and recognize that you are shining brightly in a loving and gracious way and as painful as it may be, God. I just pray that you would bring glory to your name through our lives as we recognize, as we repent, as we trust you today, God. Lord, it is by your amazing grace that we are able to walk in the power of the gospel, that we are able to walk in this light that you offer us. Father, liberate us from those dark areas. Liberate us from our thought lives that no one knows about, Lord God, but are dark. Liberate us from those feelings that no one knows about but are there inside of us. Liberate us, Lord God, from the double lives that some of us live, my God. Help us today to recognize that, Lord God. Help us to trust you, God. Father, I pray today that you would have your way in us. Help us to follow you as a pillar of fire, Lord God, that leads our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' good name. Someone said, come on, give God a hand of praise. He's worthy.